Before we get started here today, if you are near a computer or the device you are on is able to multitask and you want to follow along with the interview that is about to happen, we're talking about human design here today. It's all very exciting. If you want to follow along, if you want to find out what your human design is, there's a website that I am affiliated with in no way. <laughs> I have no idea who is profiting by me sending you here, but I know it's very convenient and handy. And you can get a map of your own human design, which might help you make what we're saying here today more customized to you. So the website is mybodygraph, mybodygraph.com. And if you put in your birth information, where you were born, you need to know the time and don't do what I did <laughs> and put in the wrong time. Military, military time gets me every time. It's just like if you want to get your natal chart, it's the same information you would put in for that. And then it will give you a chart of your design. If you're not familiar with human design, I'm so excited for you. This is going to be so much fun. Every life has its seasons with some magic we'll get through. Hippie witch has her reasons and she's sharing them with you. Hippie witch season five. Hi, thanks for joining me for episode 515 of Hippie Witch, Magic for a New Age. My name is Joanna DeVoe, and I am the groovy creatrix behind Kick-Ass Witch, putting the K in magic, and Hippie Witch, the show you are listening to right now. I also have a free ebook by that name, Hippie Witch, Peace, Love, and all that good shit, and you can pick up a copy of that at www.joannadevoe.com where you will also find the show notes for this episode which will include links to dun, da, 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 Christy Inge human design shadow working spiritual badass with an emphasis on wholeness becoming your whole authentic self so yeah I'm totally counting this episode as a part of our Shadow Love summer camp that we're doing here on the podcast for the heck of it, because we can. I gotta say, for as much as I repeatedly tell you that I hate summer, I'm not hating it right now. I actually hate late summer. August starts to get pretty hellish. <laughs> I'm trying to be gentle, but I cannot. I cannot disguise my true feelings. There have been summers when I have made the most of it. Those summers where I was doing the soul pool in the backyard when we got a kiddie pool. I just got into a mindset with it, and I did not suffer as much. And this year, I'm just diving into the shadow work and just really embracing how irritated I feel in this late summer period that starts somewhere in August. It's a little bit different every year, but it will stretch all the way out to Halloween sometimes, but definitely to my birthday, which is at the end of September. And it's funny, I am such a wheel of the year kind of witchy person that 
when Lamas happens, I call that the autumn transition. When Lamas happens, when July transitions into August or Lunasad, if you prefer, I just call it the autumn transition because it's kind of non-denominational and it just kind of says what it is. It's the halfway point between the summer solstice and the autumn equinox. And with these cross-quarter days, with these transition points on the wheel of the year, I often start wrapping up the season that I'm in and looking for the lessons and looking forward to the next season that's coming. And really it forces me to make the most of what is and not actually rush ahead to be like, wow, I don't know how many summers I have left in this life and summer is coming to an end, but fall is coming, which is my favorite. So it helps me make that transition to celebrate Lamas, but it's funny because this is actually right when shit starts getting very challenging for me as a person who does not like itchy bugs and the hot, hot heat, much less the wildfires. So <laughs> that's how we got here, folks. That's how we got here. I have to say, though, June is awesome, typically in Los Angeles, and July sometimes. We've had a very, very good July so far, knock on wood. Today, which is, what is today? July 16th. The kid finished his classes early. We got in the car and we raced over to this console gardens in time to catch the last performance of this duo that just blew me away. I took some footage. It'll probably show up on Twitter this weekend because it's super groovy. We were, we were in a circle of oak trees in a circle of redwood trees in this outdoor, very natural, rustic looking amphitheater with a cellist and a sitarist. So cello and sitar. And they were doing this combination of kind of like what Ravi Shankar did. He was the guy that, that this player spoke about with much reverence in between songs. So it kind of sounds like a cross between that. I think Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band meets jazz. They improvised and they would riff on each other. And these men were so beautiful. These two men sitting there barefoot, playing their instruments with smiles on their faces. They were so groovy. They were so in the moment. They were so alive and openly smiling. It made me think about a lot of different things. It made me think about the shadow of masculinity in the West and how unusual it is to see two men in this kind of intimate, creative exchange where they have to listen very, very carefully to each other. And it's this kind of musical dance, but also just to see a man smiling, like smiling from his heart, unashamed the entire time. It just it made an impression on me on top of the beauty of all the nature we were sitting in. And it's just, it was just the perfect day for it. It was super warm, but there was a nice breeze and the flowers are still in bloom and the gardens. And it looks like we're gonna make it to the end of July like this. So I'm just soaking it all in, loving it all up. And we'll see how well I do as August gets cooking. <laughs>
I will always laugh at myself. Even when I am irritated, I will laugh at myself, so I can promise you that. In fact, let's all have a laugh at my expense together right now. I just learned when I recorded that little intro that happened before my very homey, cheesy theme song that I love so much, I learned that GarageBand will record if I forget to plug my microphone in. It won't sound great, but it will record. I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I forgot to plug my microphone in and it still worked. So that's actually good to know because there have been times when I've wanted to just pop on, like if I'm in a hotel room or something and just start talking. And I didn't think I could because I thought I needed a microphone. So, so maybe this changes everything. I don't know. I'm the kind of podcaster who values an authentic moment and just sort of like an honest spirit. I really value someone's personality over the sound quality, which I know makes me a bad podcaster. And I definitely have a lot of room for improvement, but so far so good. You know, we're quite a few episodes into this show here at 515. <laughs> And counting. There's a lot more over on Patreon that I don't count. So, so far, it's worked out okay. The sound improves very, very slightly over the years. Very slightly. The other thing I want to laugh about with you is there's a moment toward the end of this interview where we're talking about human design where we realize a chart that I printed out and had in front of me, it was wrong because I had put in the wrong date. I had put in military time, and so it didn't match the reading that I got from Christy, and we're sitting there trying to figure it out during the interview, and it was totally my mistake. It was my mistake, and it was a weird one, too, because I wasn't going off that printout. I just grabbed it really quick before the interview so I would have something to stare at, but the reading that I got from Christy is, she calls it a wonderful purpose map. It's pretty awesome. And that was all correct. So live and learn, which is very much part of my human design, as you will soon find out. I also just want to say, I am not a super woo person. I am definitely a woo skeptic, occasionally woo curious. And not very many things like this get my attention. In fact, human design did not really grab hold of me when I first discovered it. I was like, oh, this is cool. And I got my bodygraph.com, but I didn't really know how to read it. And I was like, whatever. But it kept coming up again and again and again over the years. And what finally piqued my interest was this year encountering a group of people who were just like, oh my gosh, it's mind-blowing, it's so accurate, I've never felt so seen. And I was like, ah, really? So I went back to mybodygraph.com and I got my graph out. And what I did is I started going over to Pinterest and putting in just a specific component of my chart and then like reading all about that. And what I found is it was just spooky, weird, accurate. It was so interesting. And then when I got the map from Christy, I hadn't even read through everything that she had sent me because it's long. It's over 100 pages long. But I was just like, holy smokes, this is so 
weird and cool and validating and specific, weirdly specific. So I would be curious to know if you end up pursuing this, if it feels that way to you. There aren't very many things that I've encountered like this. Jan Spiller's book, Astrology for the Soul, is one of those things for me. And that book is about your south and north nodes. When I found that book, it was just like, whoa, this sucks. It was like calling me out on all my shit directly, but then also being like, and here is what you can do to make your life better. It was very practical and useful and just about everyone, not every single person, but just about everyone that I have referred to that book, they will come back to me and be like, you are so right. Oh my gosh, it's so awful, but true. <laughs> so this is kind of like that, but in a very gentle, loving way, it just feels like the universe embracing you and saying, yes, there's nothing wrong with you. You were made like this and... Here, let me lay out your purpose for you in, in an operating manual. It's just, I know, I sound like one of those people. I sound like a woo evangelist. <laughs> and I know some of you are woo evangelists, but I don't see myself that way. Maybe I'm changing. I don't know. But this stuff is cool. Christy is so interesting. She swears a lot, which I don't mind at all. But if you have little kids in the room and that bothers you, heads up. And just to be clear, she did not ask to come on the podcast. I was a random internet stranger who found her and invited her onto the show because I thought you all would love a podcast about human design. And she has a unique take on it. She has a heretic's take on it, which I appreciate. So at the end, when I'm asking her to lay out all the details of her offerings, please keep that in mind. It's because I know some of you are going to be curious to get one of these wonderful purpose maps after this conversation. And so I didn't want to leave you hanging, but also I just want you to know this is purely for your entertainment and information and fun. The big promotional push at the end is because I appreciate Christy's time and I will do that for anyone I appreciate. So I appreciate you. I appreciate this day. I'm still working on appreciating summer. And without any further ado, here is Christy Inge. Hi, Christy. Welcome to Hippie Witch. Hey there. Thanks for having me. Thank you for just agreeing to this from basically a complete stranger. <laughs> I am so excited. I'm so excited for my audience because I've been talking about you. I've been telling them like, oh, does anybody know what human design is? And I'm going to have this woman on to talk about it. And I got a lot of no's, which surprised me because we're a pretty woo group of people, but also thrilled me because I was like, yay, something new. Yeah. Yeah. So this is like your passion, human design. I actually would not say that. Okay. What would you say? Here's what I would say. So I am super, I, I don't even think I would really use the word passionate, but like I am incredibly inspired by the idea of people living their life from a state of wholeness and from a state of grace and self-expression mm -hmm. and 
I've been doing this kind of work for over a decade. The heart of the work that I do with people is really about shadow integration work. Because as I'm sure you know, shadow integration work is a tool that leads to wholeness and grace and all of those beautiful things. And so I discovered human design many years ago. And at first, I was like, yeah, that's not for me. So a few years later, through multiple synchronicities, I ended up back in the world of human design. And I I mean, I have some theories about what was different, but this time when I looked at the chart, I don't think I said this, but I'm a master energy healer, like Mm -hmm. in training. And I've, I've learned coaching in three different modalities, energy healing in two different modalities. And so I've worked with coaching and energy for a long time. And that second time that I saw the human design chart, I just had this like little like click in my brain, this aha moment of like, oh, duh, this is how energy moves. And I looked at that chart and I guess probably like basically everyone who looks at a human design chart was like, oh, can I cuss? Absolutely. (laughs) I meant to ask you that. So, okay. So I was like, what the fuck is all of these numbers and colors and shapes and words? And I just like had to know. And at this time, in the outer work that I was doing in the world, I was really focusing on a healing process that I've developed called wonder work. And so I was like doing that out in the world, but like behind the scenes, I was really diving deep into literally everything I could get my hands on about human design. Mm -hmm. And so what started happening was like, I just was like talking to people about it you know, just talking to my friends, talking to my clients, talking to my husband, talking to my sister, you know, like just talking to people about it. And even my own coach was talking to her about it. And all of a sudden people just started like asking me, like, could I tell them about their human design? Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, no, I don't really do that. You know, like, this is just something that I find interesting and I'm finding it helpful. And and I genuinely had no intentions of it becoming sort of the face of my business, if you will. I knew what human design was doing for me. Like, it was helping me. Um, and there are some plot twists in this story for sure. But it was really helping me truly own things about myself that I had known and was really resistant to. And I shed a lot of baggage through human design. And it really freed up so much energy for me. And then what started happening when I was having conversations with people, in particular, once I started talking with my clients about their human design What I noticed was that human design was a hotline to shadow. Like it was like, boom, we're there. Like, I don't need to spend months getting to know you. None of that. It like 
quite honestly, and as a non-sacral being, this is very important, cut my work like in three quarters, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, like way less work. And just to be clear for anyone listening, I do not, you have to be invited into working with me privately. That's not something that I sell publicly, but with those people, it's like what would normally take six months to uncover, I'm uncovering in 10 minutes because it just, it, it just like shows you all of your shit. And if you have the capacity and the skills to really do that integrative healing work, it accomplishes my aim of wholeness and grace. And, you know, one of the ideas that is really strong for me is this idea of like each and every one of us wants to be ourselves. We want to express ourselves. And so one of the things that a lot of people don't recognize in the the desire for self-expression is that they have to let other people do the same. And to me, it's when like me embracing my shadows really opens me up to compassion for other people. It opens me up to forgiveness. It opens me up to seeing the divine in everyone. And that creates not just individuals who feel whole and complete within themselves, but it it creates an entire world that feels whole and complete. And to me, like, that's the most important thing. So yeah, it's like, at this point, it's like, I literally had people literally begging me to give me money to read their design. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's good that you said you only do that by private invitation, because this is that audience. We are those people. We're thoroughly invested in shadow work. We talk about it all the time. It's a theme here for the summer. I like to do shadow work in the summer because I Mm. hate the summer. The summer is very hard. (laughs) It's hard for me. It brings out all my junk. So I was just like, this is a good time. Uh, But we should also, because I was kind of surveying people like who knows what human design is. And I got so many no's I feel like we've baited them, we've teased them, and they're like, but what is it? Yeah, so I'm going to talk about the basics, and I'm going to open with a very controversial subject within the human design community. Okay. As you know, well, I'm assuming you know, like in astrology, there are multiple ways that you can calculate your astrology. Yes. So what we typically use astrology in the West is called tropical astrology, And then there's also, um, there's a variety of sidereal astrologies, and then there's 13 sign astrology, and then there's a variety of true sidereal astrologies that, and I'm going to fuck up this word, I never know. And so if I offend anyone, I apologize, but I think it's called an Ayanawasa. I actually like to joke that I know just enough astrology to support the work I do in human design because human design is based on your astrology. Mm-hmm. I'll get more into that in a minute, but there are multiple ways to calculate your human design. 
And this is not an accepted idea in the human design community. Human design was built on tropical astrology. And I'm actually a big fan of true sidereal astrology. I'm sorry, human design. That said, I'm not attached. If you come to me for one of my maps, I give you the choice. You can choose tropical or you can choose true sidereal, which is also known as cosmic. And what did Um, I choose? I chose tropical because I'm familiar with it. I'm comfortable with it. And I find it very threatening to be like, oh, well, what if I'm not this anymore? You know, that really always throws me for a loop. (laughs) Yeah, that actually happened for me with, so remember when I said there's a couple plot twists in this story? Yeah. This was one of my plot twists was like, and then discovering my true sidereal design. Mm-hmm. I'm still processing it. And I don't, I don't even know that I have all the words to really talk about it in any kind of way that anyone would comprehend. But I will just say that it blew my mind. And so I wanted to just say like upfront, because in the human design community, there seems to be this like, which side are you on conversation that happens a lot. And I just like to be upfront that when it comes to human design, I'm the type of person I like to understand the fundamentals. And I and so human design is what's based on what's called mechanics. I like to understand the mechanics and then do with that information whatever the fuck I want. Like, I'm not like, because the guy who channeled human design, his name was Ra. Like, I'm not in the camp of like, because Ra said so, that means it's right. Oh, yeah. Um, you 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 defined yourself as a Slytherin and a heretic. And yeah. I, would, I would absolutely define myself that way as well. Yeah. So I'm right there with you. <laughs> yeah. Now, that said, like, I also think there are some, some stuff out there about human design that is not based on the mechanics. Like, the people actually have the mechanics wrong. And so I'm not into that. Like, I, I think the mechanics are important and understanding the mechanics are important. But I also, like, understand that even when people are, quote, channeling information, it's still coming through a human filter. Yes. And shit gets distorted. That's just it. I believe that we are all free to choose our interpretation of anything we want. So... I like to get that out in the open. Like I am a heretic. I, I do not believe that the human design system is some sort of gospel. I believe it is a tool that we can use. So that said, what your human design does. So first of all, it's calculated using two different calculations. You have your chart, correct? Yeah. If you look on your chart, you'll see there's a red side and there's a black side. And in the middle, there's all these red and black. So those are coming from two different calculations. It's coming from your regular astrology. So your birth time, your birth date, your birth place, all of that goes into the calculation of one side of your human design. And then 88 degrees before the date of your birth is what calculates what's called your design side. So you have a design and you have a personality. Mm. And then it blends these two things into the middle. And the middle is called a body graph. And for anyone who doesn't have their body graph, the body graph, it's like a, a human being sort of like sitting in the middle. And then there are all these 
geometric shapes. And then there's all these lines that run between the shapes. Are you familiar with the Kabbalah? I'm guessing you are. Yeah, this is an audience that has at least some understanding of Kabbalah, but especially like the chakra system. The chart you're describing looks a lot like the chakra system with the, and it yeah. looks like Kabbalah. Like that, but yeah. for people who aren't at Kabbalah yet, if you have a basic understanding of how someone might lay chakras over the figure of a body, that's kind of what it looks like. Yeah. So human design is actually a synthesis of astrology the Kabbalah, the, I think it's pronounced I Ching, Mm -hmm. and the Hindu chakra system. And it synthesizes all of those to create what's called the body graph. And when you're looking at the body graph, those, all those shapes, and then the channels that run between them, that's your body graph. And what your body graph, one of the things that I like to tell people is in the body graph, there are nine energy centers. So, Assuming everyone here is familiar with the seven centers from the Hindu chakra system, the heart center is divided in the human design into two centers. It's the, there's a center in the middle called the G and then there's a heart center. Those hold the, the spectrum of energy in the Hindu heart center. And then the spleen center and the solar plexus, those two are split and they hold two different types of energy. So the spleen is, is part of the solar plexus in the Hindu chakra system. And so there's nine centers total. And in my experience, if you can quote, read what those nine things are in your chart, that's everything you need to know about your human design. So basically what this chart is showing you is when you pull your chart, you'll notice that there are these nine centers inside the body graph and some of them are colored in and some of them are white. When you have a colored in center, it's telling you that you essentially have what they call consistent access to that energy. That energy is always available to you. So for example, I have a defined head and a defined ajna. Defined head is actually incredibly rare in human design, but I have a defined head and a defined ajna. And that means that I have consistent access to what the the Hindu chakra system would call the crown energy and the ajna energy. So I have consistent access to inspiration and pulling in from the divine, pulling in from the cosmos. And it's like, literally I joke, like I can sit and stare at a white wall and for 10 minutes and come out with a hundred blog posts that I should write. Like Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, like just that inspiration, just like boom, 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 boom. It's like on fire. And then the Ajna takes that inspiration of the head and it turns it into something practical. It turns it into something useful. It turns it into something workable. So when you have the definition in, in each of these centers, you have consistent access to that kind of energy. So the throat energy is about, so the head is about inspiration. The head asks a lot of questions. So when you find yourself asking a question, that's head. And then processing that question is ajna. And then expressing what you've discovered is throat. 
And then the spleen, which is connected to the throat center, is the center of instinct and intuition. It's a very primitive energy, very primal energy. And then the G center is the center of direction and identity and purpose and sort of sense of place in the world. And then the will center, which is also called the heart center or the ego center, that's where willpower is. That's where a sense of worthiness is. It's where deservingness is. It's where commitment. And when you say my heart is all in, we're talking about the will center. And then there's the solar plexus. And that is the energy of um, emotional energy. So just to be very clear, all centers produce emotion because our emotions are created from the way we're interpreting the world and all centers are interpreting the world, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to the solar plexus, it's like the way I sort of think about it is that emotional sensitivity. It's that emotional awareness, you know, like some people are walking around and they have absolutely zero emotional awareness. So this center is the center of, of more like emotional awareness. And then there's the sacral center and that's the fire energy. That's the, that's the go. That's the, the, I love talking about sacral. So I'm a non-sacral being. My, my sacral is undefined. And that sacral energy is like warm and glowy and sensual. And like, you just want to like wrap yourself in it. It's a very sort of like luxurious kind of energy, particularly when it's lit up. So like when a sacral being is really doing what lights them up, it's a glorious energy to sort of bathe in. And then there's the, um, the root center, which is where our instinct for growth and evolution and change, that's where all of that energy comes from. And so when you have, when one of these centers is defined, you have consistent access to that type of energy. So someone with a defined spleen, they're going to be getting instinctual, intuitive hits. Are you familiar with the clairs, the intuitive clairs? Yeah. So clairsentience, clairaudience. What's the one where you can taste it? I never feel like I'm pronouncing it right. Oh, I don't know. Clairgustance or something like that? Mm. I think it's clairgustience or something like that. But all of those live in the spleen center. And so, for example, I have gate 57 in the spleen. That's a, one of the gates that have clairaudience. And I'm highly clairaudient. Like, I can, I can just hear things that just everyone can't hear. Yes. Um, I have this too. And the clairsentience, those are hard things to explain to other people. Yeah, absolutely. And so all of that stuff lives in the spleen. And so, so someone with a defined spleen, like they're going to be intuitively instinctually lit up like all the time. It's never going to come and go. Whereas when a center is undefined in the chart, that energy is going to be you have access to it because we are literally everything. We are the whole chart. There's no part of the chart that you are not. But when the center is white or called undefined, that means that energy comes and goes for you. So let's go back to the head, for example, because I actually talk to a lot of people who think that they should be inspired all the time. Like, I don't understand why I'm not inspired. Why can't I get inspired? Like, what's wrong with me? Like, where's the inspiration? 
And that is like a very undefined head kind of thing because the inspiration, it comes and goes, it comes and goes based on the transits, based on the people that you're with. And so what I like to tell people about these defined and undefined centers is that literally if you needed a defined head for this game of life, you would have that. You have everything you need. So it's not better to have definition. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm thinking about just in listening to you and how I have an open, the upper chakras on my body graph, they're all open, they're undefined. But I have my entire life identified as a head person up in my head, constantly inspired, too many ideas to get to them all. And I really lived up there. I had no connection to my body. And this was a trauma response. I learned to escape up into my head where it's safe and wonderful and I have control. So I'm wondering if you or anyone has explored how trauma actually changes some of this, not necessarily on the paper, but your experience of it. I would actually take a step back from the trauma period. Because what you're describing is actually what would be considered a not-self theme of the open head, of the undefined head. Mm -hmm. Can you tell people what that is? Some of the language is like, ah, when you first get into it, you want to learn, but then they... Yeah, the language can be very off-putting, to say the least. Yeah. And this is actually one of the things that I'm sort of on a mission about is to really help people understand at least from my perspective like the human design fundamentalist probably would not agree with me and I don't really give a fuck about that but from my perspective what was trying to be communicated with these with these words so your not self theme is essentially you are using your energy in a way that isn't the best use of your energy yeah it's, That's ta- it's taxing. Yeah. So someone with an undefined head. So most people have an undefined head. Only about it's thunderstorming here. Hopefully that's not going to impact. It's so I- cool. I didn't know that's what I was hearing, but I could hear yeah. it. If I disappear, that's what's going on. <laughs> okay. Oh, you may remember earlier I said the head center is the center that produces questions. And so when you're thinking in questions, that energy is in the head. And what happens is that head, it puts pressure on the Ajna to answer the question. So what I see a lot with undefined head people is they're spinning in questions that do not create a result that they want in their life. So for example, and this is just a blanket sort of, I see it all day, every day in literally almost every undefined head I've ever come across, which is asking themselves questions like, what's wrong with me? Why can't I figure this out? How am I ever going to accomplish this? Do you feel the energy of those questions? I don't know what you're talking about. 
You have no idea, I'm sure. So what no happened? idea. Spinning was the greatest word of all of that. I was like, it's a spinning. I often will say spinning out. Yep. And for me, this is so weird, but there's such an emphasis on the ascension movement. And for years, I've been saying my spiritual journey has been a descension process. Coming Absolutely. down. Absolutely. My work. My work is about being on fucking earth. Yes, <laughs> yes. And that's where all of the good stuff is. So yeah. now I know when I start spinning out that yeah. something is off and, and then I can correct it. It's taken decades to learn this, Christy. <laughs> yeah. So the thing that I teach people with an undefined head or an open head, and we could talk about the difference between those two if you want in a moment, but in the undefined head... You're going to, because what happens is the way our brain works, like this isn't woo woo. This isn't magic. This is like the fucking brain. When you have a question in your brain, your brain literally goes to work on answering it. And so if you're asking yourself, what the fuck is wrong with me? You're going to find a gazillion and 12 things. If you're constantly asking your brain, what's wrong with me? Your brain is going to look for the answer. That's just the way brains work. And so when you have an undefined head, what can happen is that you don't really, you don't have like a way of, so like with my undefined head, it's not that I never get, with my defined head, it's not that I never get lost in unhelpful questions or questions that spin me out, but like I can catch it really fast. Like, oh, wait, like that's not a valuable question. Like I need to change the direction of my brain. It's like with that defined head, the energy has something to grab onto. That's what those gates and channels are, is it's like it has a way of moving that energy. But when when it's undefined or open, you have to essentially practice doing that. You have to do that on purpose. It doesn't come natural to recognize that you're in a question that's spinning you out. You have to try harder to not make that happen. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so all of the centers work that way. So someone who has an undefined solar plexus, for example, so people with an undefined solar plexus, they are the empaths. They're the ones who can sense other people's emotions. They are the ones who can pick up on emotional energy. And what can happen is that they're they're actually amplifying that emotional energy and they think that it's them, right? They think it's theirs. I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with empaths who are like, what do you mean these feelings aren't mine? <laughs> yeah. You know what um, What you're saying? I just, just to put this in a nutshell really quick for people that yeah. are listening right now. I think that human design is such a time saver because these are things I learned the hard way by the trial, way. The trial and error. And then you get, yes. I also did get my body graph. I got that basic human design chart five years ago. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, this is interesting. Like all the things are interesting, but it didn't impact my life. And it was this spring that I, for some reason, circled back around. And all of a sudden I was like, this is a massive time-saving tool. Oh my God. Like that's what I was saying before. Like it is a super fucking shortcut. Yeah. The way I see it 
is it literally shows you where all your fucking work is. Mm-hmm. Like, that's it. And tools, like practical tools. Like, yeah. this is how you should respond to this to get the best result. Yes, exactly. Sorry to catch you off track there. No, that's okay. Like, I was just, I think I was just driving home that point of like, someone with an undefined emotional center, like they will learn over time that they're picking up on emotion that doesn't belong to them. And so exactly what you're saying, like when you can look at your human design chart and you're like, oh, like I have an undefined solar plexus. And so undefined solar plexus people, I encourage them, like when they're feeling some sort of emotion, I tell them, like, I just want you to start asking yourself, does this belong to me? Is this my feeling mine? Is this feeling mine? and your body will tell you, your body will tell you. And if it's not yours, you can literally let it go. And if you can't let it go, that just means there's some attachment. There's some shit you need to work through. This is why I love human design is because it literally shows us where the healing work needs to happen, where the transformation needs to happen, where our boundaries actually are. And I do think about this a little bit differently than most people in the human design world. But like, I see literally everything on the chart as a tool. Like it's a tool. It's a tool for you to use to navigate your life. Yeah. I think something important that the personal development community, the new age community, those of us that kind of live in a mix of two is we are like, oh, look at this cool screwdriver. This screwdriver is the gospel. This is the world according to screwdriver. (laughs) And then you're like, oh my God, but there's a hammer. Maybe I was wrong. Maybe it's not the screwdriver God. It's the hammer God. Yeah, oh my God. My language. This drives me insane. Me too. Me too. (laughs) um, Like a lot of the work that I've done with people over the years is like undoing exactly that. So like, you know, like in... In our kind of world, like there's a very common axiom that our thoughts create our reality. And so what happens is like people try to like use that as an all-purpose tool. And it's like, well, no, actually, like sometimes you just need to feel your fucking feelings. Mm. And sometimes you need to reclaim energy that is stuck inside and also sometimes your beliefs are fucked up and you need to change them and no amount of feeling your feelings is going to solve that problem yeah that's one of the things that I love about human design is that essentially it gives us very specific tools to to work with and depending on so like the gates the gates are an endless fascination in human design, but there are 64 of them. And each one like comes with its own little toolbox to help with really just navigating your life. So the gate 57 is coming into my, do you have that in your design? Yes, I do. Okay. Where is it at? I don't know. I should have just pulled up your chart. Gosh, I'm so excited that I'm one of the people that got a wonderful purpose map because I know that's limited because it's based on your time. And you said something, I'm just 
shooting the shit because this conversation is going by so fast and it's so fun and interesting. (laughs) There's something, I've known this about myself for a while. Human design helped flesh it out for me. But then also, I think it was in maybe the Nine Gates PDF that is included in the Wonderful Purpose map. You said, everything you want is waiting for you as long as you don't settle for less by choosing yes. the, the first that comes along. And I was like, ha, 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 lady, I've wasted so many years of my life on things that I settled for because, yes. well, because reasons. Let's just say that. Yeah, so that's a very, very, very common issue with the generator type. And we can tangent on how that's determined if you want. But essentially, like, generators are the majority of the population, And a generator, what that really means is that when a generator is doing what they love, it literally lights up, like the bot, like the aura literally lights up and literally. Okay, sorry. There was a big ass uh, lightning and thunder and the electricity went out. Oh, I could hear it. I kept thinking, this is so cool. <laughs> We're talking about all this stuff. And like, I can hear the thunder. And then I got cut off. I thought it was funny. I was like, and they light up. And then the power went out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so what I was saying is that with that generator type, which is what you are in your tropical, and actually I'm pretty sure it's what you are in your true sidereal as well. Thank um, God. But it's like knowing that, right? Like knowing like, okay, so I'm quote, supposed to do the things that light me up and anything else is going to burn me out. It's going to be exhausting. It's going to not bring me a sense of satisfaction in my life, right? Like that's really good to know, right? I think that's such a weird thing that most people are generators because this sounds like privilege to me to be privileged, to be able to only do what lights you up. I just don't think our ancestors had this available to them in terms of the choices. It was like, no, you will go out and you'll pick that cotton, whether you like it or not. And now we've reached a point where we can actually make decisions like this. And I think there's generations of all this old programming that when I hear this kind of thing, there's a little piece of me. I feel like it's like some great, great grandfather or something that's like, you can't just do whatever lights you up. You know? <laughs> yeah. And that would be like, so that would be conditioning. That would be what human design would call conditioning. Yes. And so I do think it's important to sort of express more like my personal opinion about that versus the human design perspective is that I really believe that the most important thing is the integrity with it. So here's what I mean by that. If you are in some sort of situation where you can't quote, do what lights you up, it's really important from my perspective to just recognize that and to own it. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's useful. I think you're useful. I think you're full of useful ideas, Christy. Uh, thank you. It's that head and Ajna. I like it a lot. So like the, the reality is like what you're speaking about, the reality is, is that we live 
in a culture and in a society that does not honor that, that does not give a fuck about what lights you up. And so we've all been conditioned. So in human design, there are, there are four different types and then there's one subtype. There are generators and then manifesting generators. Manifesting generators are a subtype of the generator. Then there's manifestors, there's reflectors, and there's projectors. And all of them have different types of conditioning. But for the generator, there's deep condition around settling, around doing shit because you believe you have to. What I invite people to do is... Not so much, like, sometimes just yanking that shit out of the energy is awesome. But what actually tends to be more effective is to just witness it and to start sort of playfully poking holes in it. Does that make sense? Yep. And start really just owning, like, I'm very aware that I don't want to do this thing and I'm going to do it because I believe I have to. And just like, tell yourself the fucking truth about that. Oh my God. Yes. And this is just, again, this is my personal belief here. Like, I believe that life is supposed to be 50, 50. I believe that life is supposed to be amazing and life is supposed to suck. Like it's supposed to be both. I do not believe that we're supposed to be happy all the time. I just don't think that's why we incarnate on earth. Like, how do I know? Because this is how earth is. Yeah. Right? I think it really circles back to what you're saying about wholeness too. You have yeah. you have an offering called shadow and light. And it's interesting. The more shadow work I do, the more free I become, the yeah. lighter I become, and the more I'm able to contain things that are heavy, yeah. heavy or traumatic. I can actually move through, even if I'm like sobbing because some old memory is coming up to the surface. Yeah. It's just a moment. I'm like aware that I'm letting it move through me. Yes. Yeah. So, so I'm with you on the, the conditioning and the privilege and I'm a hundred percent there with you. And I also don't believe that we're supposed to be aiming for perfect lives. Maybe that happens on another planet. But I don't think that's the purpose of earth. I believe that earth is, we come to earth as the divine, as an expression of the divine. And we're, and we're just kind of playing hide and seek with ourselves. Like, oh, I love I'm, that. That's such a cool way to put it. Like, I'm God, I'm the devil. I'm God, I'm the devil. Our divinity is hidden and we are, we're supposed to be playing that game of hide and seek. That's just my spiritual belief, which of course informs literally everything that I do. So I don't think it's like, well, if you're not lit up 100% of the time, you're doing your life wrong. Right. And it's a really useful tool for more integrative work. Like, oh, wait, okay, so I'm going to go do that thing that I believe that I have to do. And then that creates that space for you to get really curious about that and do deeper layers of work. That's why I love human design, because literally everything on your chart is an opportunity for that. You know, you're reminding me of something you said somewhere. (laughs) Something, something you 
said that I liked and I wrote down was your definition of karma. Mm. That's another thing. This is why I relate to you as a heretic because I will just reject like thousands and thousands and thousands years old piece of wisdom. You know, like this is what karma is. And I'm like, yeah, I don't think so. And the way you described it, I can read you to yourself or you can just share your belief here in your own words. Yeah. So one of the things about human design is that it does use a lot of language that has a lot of baggage around it. For example, there's a whole type called projector type. And people assume that that means that all projectors do is go around projecting their shit. Right. And projector type actually has nothing to do with that. That type of projection does show up in the human design chart, but it's not the projector type. And so there's all these words that like, we have all of this like baggage around them and karma is one of them. So in your human design, you have what's called a profile and your profile, when you pull your chart, you'll see a number, it'll say your profile and there'll be two numbers with like a slash in the middle. Yeah. Remind me what yours are. I'm a three, six. I'm a martyr role model. Okay. Three, six. So your profile There are 12 possible profiles and there are three types of profiles that you can have. And anything that starts with a one, two, or three is called intrapersonal karma. Any person who their profile is a four, one is called, oh shit, what's the word they use? It's like a totally, you must have like gotten the, worst shittiest karma ever it's called predestined or something I can't remember what it's called Mm. and then anything other than that four one that starts with a four five or six is called transpersonal karma and if we look at karma in like a spiritual context there's often a lot of baggage around that word because particularly in the west what I have personally found I'm very drawn to eastern philosophy is that in the West, we just don't fucking understand those concepts. Like right. we, we've we been raised in... Reborn and punishment. Yes. And so when we, when we hear karma is like, well, what we hear is I'm bad and I brought this bad shit with me. Yeah. It's really easy to go from Christianity to that, I think. Yeah. I mean, literally in Christianity, like at least the Christianity that I was raised in, I was raised both Pentecostal holiness and Southern Baptist. And it's like, you were fucking born evil and you're going to burn in hell. That's what you're taught from the beginning. And so, of course, when we hear this concept of karma, it's absolutely we project that idea onto it. And so I always like to clarify So when they're talking about intrapersonal karma versus fixed fate, that's what it's called. The four one is called a fixed fate. And then the other side is the transpersonal karma. What that really means is you are either creating karma or you're cleaning up karma. And the way I think about karma is that our karma, just as Ram Dass says, like our karma is our mind. So if we think about the way the brain works, like our brain has all these neuropathways and neuropathways 
of thought, feeling, action that once we practice those, like if you think about like, oh, I'm going to get in my car and I'm going to go to the grocery store. Like once you've driven to the grocery store like a few times, you don't have to think about how to get there anymore. And our entire brain works that way. It puts as much as it can on autopilot. And that's what those neuropathways are. And I think of our karma as that. Our karma is our mind. It's that pattern that's playing out over and over and over in our mind. And if we don't deliberately change those things, we're going to keep playing out the same thing because that's how our mind works. Like I tell people all the time, like, okay, so if you turn right to go to the grocery store, right? Like you could go left and still get there, right? You just have to think about it a little bit more, but eventually if you turn left every single time, every single time, every single time, that's going to become the automatic way that becomes your new karma. That becomes the new pattern. Yeah. It's strengthening those neural pathways. I learned that when I was 17. So that's three decades ago now. That's how old I am. And it was from Anthony Robbins, but he was Anthony Robbins three Mm. decades ago. He wasn't Tony yet. And it was a book, Awaken the Giant Within. And he's talking about NLP and neural programming and, you know, strengthening these neural pathways. And I knew he was talking about something important, but it's really, (laughs) it's really in the decades since that I've come to understand what that means. It's again, it's, I have to learn the hard way and the long way. Apparently that's my style. That's your three and your six actually. Mm. So yeah, so that's the way I think about karma. Like I think about it as it's basically like the autopilot that your brain is on and you change your karma by changing your mind. So when you have intrapersonal karma, the way I think of it, and again, the human design fundamentalists may not agree, is I think about it as you are literally here to create new neuro pathways. Like you're here to create new karma. You're here to create new patterns. And then with transpersonal karma, you're here to help people do that. So cleaning up karma, right? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So with the transpersonal, so four, six, five, one, five, two, six, three, I think. I don't have all of human design memorized. I think you would have it's to It's a lot. I mean, I don't know. Fucking lot. <laughs> um, you know what I'm thinking though, too? I'm looking at my, I have a printout from my body graph that says I am a three, five, which is the martyr heretic. And now I'm like, where did I get the three, six martyr rule model? So I'm wondering, like, did I get this from two different places? And yeah, so you have to be careful about the way you're putting in your time. Mm, yeah. Common mistake that people make. That's interesting. It's so much like astrology. It's like what I was saying earlier. You're like, you think you're a Libra, but oh, nope, you're a Virgo. And it came out, it came out three, six. Yeah. On the chart that I have, it's three, six. Let's chat about that after this. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I'm not worried about it. I was just kind of pointing that out. Like, oh, look how weird. Am I a heretic or am I a role model? What's it going to be? <laughs> well, so, so here's the thing. So if you look at your chart, actually, you have a lot of fifth line energy in your chart, whether your profile is fifth line or not. I see. And so each of these gates have 
the the quality of those lines, the one, two, three, four, five, or six. And so, um, oh my gosh, I'm looking at it and listening to you. I hope everybody, I'm going to tell people before this to look at their chart if they have it. Yeah, you probably should have thought about it that at the beginning. Yeah. I can do that. I can do it in the intro. Beautiful. It's coming up for you as I was saying that. I can just see the chart and now I'm understanding how to read this thing. I'm seeing like all the fives and and a four and a six. And I'm like, Oh, that's what that is. Okay. Yeah. And so like the three, six profile, it comes because that conscious sun and conscious earth is in the third line and the unconscious sun and the unconscious earth is in the sixth line. So that makes the three, six profile. I'm looking at your chart on my side. Mm. Why do you do this? Why did you get into this? What compels you? So for me, really, it's what we were talking about earlier. It's that it's, it's the fast track, right? Like if you know that you are a third line profile, the third line, part of their quote karma, if you will, is to make a lot of fucking mistakes (laughs) and to fail and fuck it up. And that's why the reason that the third line is called the martyr is essentially the way, the way that I think about it anyway, is they're, they're literally martyring their energy for the experiment of what works. Those are words I use all the time too. experiment. We're just going to do an experiment. I'm failing my way up. I fail my way into everything. Third line. That's third line energy. So imagine that you have a child who's a third line right? They're born into the world. You pull their chart. They're a third line. You're going to handle their mistakes and their failures very differently because you understand, oh, wait, they're supposed to be failing. They're supposed to be making mistakes. They're supposed to be fucking it up. They're supposed to be figuring it out what works and what doesn't. And so how can I help them through that? How can I help them develop the resilience necessary for that? And so the same is true for ourselves. When we know these sort of energy expressions that we came here to play with in that game of hide and seek, it gives us tools. Stop being a fucking asshole to yourself when you fail, right? Yeah. I mean, I think this is the magic of human design, at at least for those who have the experience I had where you see yourself. I see so many keywords that I'm like, I use those words all the time to describe Mm -hmm. my experience. And yeah, 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 reflection, I had already embraced. This is how I learn. I'm like an experiential learner and I'll screw things up and then I'll bring it to the people and be like, here's what I figured out, you know? Exactly. That is literally exactly what the third line does. And imagine if you would have known that from the beginning. Oh God, yes. All the shame associated with it would have not been there. Yes. And that's, that's one of the things, I mean, you know, like with shadow work, Essentially what you're doing when you're doing shadow work is you're healing shame. And that's what we need to experience our wholeness, to experience our divinity, to, to see ourselves hiding behind the tree. We have to heal that shame. The shame is the thing that the way I think about healing, the metaphor that I use for healing is like 
when you go in the bathroom to brush your teeth and you're standing in front of the mirror and you brush your teeth and then like the little toothpaste gets on the mirror, right? They, for whatever reason, you don't, you don't clean it. Then the next day, same thing happens. Next day, same thing happens. Weeks go by. You don't clean the mirror. Eventually, you look in that mirror and you're like, holy shit, I need to clean this fucking mirror. I cannot see myself. And healing is the choice to clean the mirror. It's the recognition that you're not seeing yourself clearly. And so when we're doing our shadow work, when we're healing shame, we're, we're, we're choosing to clean the mirror. We're choosing to see ourselves clearly. We're choosing to see our divinity. We're choosing to see ourselves as whole and complete. And to me, like I've worked with a gazillion tools over the years and for me, human design has been the fast track to that because it literally, I can tell you what all your fucking problems are. So (laughs) it's so weird. Is it just, is it just me? Because I feel like this was, he channeled this information. I feel like it was in the seventies, but I noticed, I think back when I first peeked at it five years ago and I got my chart, I think someone I watched on YouTube was talking about it a lot and that's how I ended up there. But now I feel like every time I turn around, someone is talking about this and Mm -hmm. it feels like it's picking up steam. Like people are starting to catch on to the language and say, oh, I'm a generator, I'm a projector and be able to have conversations. Are you noticing this at all? I noticed an uptick personally in 2020. We all had extra time on our hands. <laughs> right. Um, so the guy who channeled human design, his name was Ra Aru Hu. One of the things that he consistently said was that human design was for the children. Aww. And so, you know, like what he really wanted was that he wanted children to be raised in the knowledge of their human design so that we could move towards a world where we're all living our design. And so the way I see it is that's kind of what's happening, right? Like it's got to pick up steam with the adults in order for it to be like, if you don't know your human design or your child's human design, you can't raise your child to live by their design, right? You'll more than likely do a lot of projection on the I child. I just love this. I love this for parents and yeah. for, their, for their kids. I love it for their kids, which is why I love it for parents. Cause that's also a big shadow thing for parents is like, yes. you're, you're definitely going to screw your kids. You're going to screw them up. You're going to do something yeah. no matter how hard you try. And then there's all that shame and guilt. And I feel yeah. like having these tools can really take the edge off. Yes. And The other thing that I think about like with parents in particular is that I think that it, it is very healing for the parent to parent their child through the lens of their child's human design. Because what happens is let's say that you have a child that is a third line and they're making a fuck ton of mistakes. And you were taught as a child that mistakes are wrong and bad. Well, what's going to happen is that when you know your child is supposed to be making mistakes, not only are you able to guide them in a way, because that third line, what it really needs to learn is resilience, like how to bounce back after mistakes, how to bounce back after failures. 
And so not only do you have the knowledge that, that you want to hand that to your child, you want to teach that to your child, but it forces you to confront your own shit with making mistakes. And it forces you to confront your own shit with, you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so it's like double healing happens. And I think that's beautiful. So can I ask you about like the nitty gritty, because I feel like we're going over time, but we definitely have to tell people how to find you. But also I know your time is limited and you have boundaries around what's available and what's not. So I want to be so clear about that. (laughs) Yeah, I'm good. Like if there's something else you want to ask, I'm good. Can you tell what your offerings are? The two things I feel like it's shadow and light and the wonderful purpose map. Am I missing something? Yeah. So right now my primary offering, what you can buy publicly is the wonderful purpose map and shadow and light. The wonderful purpose map covers the primary elements, the most important elements of your human design. So it gives you extensive detail on your human design type, your human design strategy, your human design authority. So your type and your strategy are essentially the way your energy interacts with the world around you and the way it interacts with the universe and your authority. The way I think about authority is it's like, it's like a lightning rod for decision-making. It's like when you have a decision to make, this is the part of yourself you want to look inside of and for making correct decisions. And then your profile. So those numbers that we were talking about before, and then it covers your all four gates of your incarnation cross, which is your conscious sun, your conscious earth, your unconscious sun, and your unconscious earth. And each of those have a significant, each of those mean something different. And so it covers the gate that is in all four of those places. Typically, I can't remember how long yours was, but they're typically over a hundred pages long. It was 108. I'm proud to say it's so thorough and fascinating. And what I love is your personality and the way you phrase things. You use words like may, like this may show up this way instead of like this will show up this way. I really love the way you present. Yeah. Like, and I am super mindful about that. That actually goes back to my spiritual belief that literally we are everything. Mm -hmm. And so like, there's literally nothing that you are not. And there are so many ways that you could be expressing energy just because it's a, it's a specific number. Like, so, so yeah, like maybe you're here to make a lot of fucking mistakes, but the way you're going to express that is different. The way you're going to express gate 18, which is what's in your conscious son versus the way I might express gate 18. It's going to be different. What is that old saying? Like the map is not the territory. I don't know that one. The reason that I call it a map is, well, for one, there's that Rumi quote, like, why did God put this spot on your map? Or is it how I don't know. (laughs) One of those two. (laughs) Funny. But like, why did God put this spot on your map is like a very, that's an important sort of poem to me personally, Mm -hmm. that line, because You know, I often joke, like I've lived the kind of life where a therapist told me people like me jump off of bridges, an astrologer who said that she would need a stiff drink to read my chart and a human design reader who told me I should pack up my shit and file for unemployment. I've had an intense 
life over here. And to move into grace from that has been like my spirituality is incredibly important to me. And that question, why did God put this spot on your map has been incredibly important to me personally. And so the map, it's like, there's all these spots on your map and they're there for a divine reason. And they're there for you, right? Like they're here for you, for your expansion, for, for you. Yeah. And, And then the other sort of piece of that is like, when you're looking at a map, kind of like we were talking about with the grocery store earlier, like, yeah, you could go right and you could go left or you could go right then left. It's like, there are a million and one ways that you could go. And I always tell people like, if you've caught me saying like, you are this, like, please help me correct that because it's never my intention to say you absolutely are this or that. And so this is one of the places that I don't agree with one of the foundational premises of human design. Human design, one of the premises is that there is no such thing as free will. And that is just not part of my belief system. I do believe that we all have free will and that we all have choices. So 49, gate 49, for example, some people call that the gate of the murderer. Like just because you have gate 49 doesn't give you the fucking right to be an asshole. Right. So, <laughs> you the know, gate of the murderer. And th- that's so funny too, just that it would be called that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, that's, that's like a sort of a nickname. Like a nickname. It's not like, it's not the gate of the murderer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you are evil. The gate of evil. You have it. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> But like, as you noticed in your map, one of the things that I do in the map is that I, I compare and contrast the full spectrum that is available to you. And I think one of the tools that I teach, um, I don't actually teach this in Shadow and Light. I'm thinking about adding it on as a bonus, but like I do this thing that I call the sinking exercise where it's really about like holding both sides of the spectrum at, at the same time. Mm-hmm. And that shit is magic. So that's part of what happens in the map too, is there's this compare and contrast thing that's kind of happening. I'm just going to print the whole thing out. I want to print it out. I want to lick it, touch it, fold it, write on it. And also there are other things included. You get the map, but then you also get the nine, is it called the nine centers guide? Yes. The nine centers guide. You get the special nuances guide. So Special nuances is like when you have what's called a hanging gate, when you have, um, so it it goes into like, so if you have a gate that's in an undefined center, what does it, what does that mean? Um, So it gives all that. And then actually I've just revamped the offer and starting with the next round when I open it, it will also include my receiving wonder toolbox. Oh, neat. How do people, Um, what do they do if they want to be notified when that happens? Just go to my website. If you go to christyange.com, right there at the top, you'll see my picture and you'll see a little blurb and then it'll say, get started. If you click get started, it will take you to my shop page. And on the shop page, you'll find the wonderful purpose map and you'll find shadow and light. You can purchase shadow and light immediately because it's like a self-study DIY course. And then the wonderful purpose map is on perpetual wait list. It sells like hotcakes. 
blows my mind every time. Um, I know why I can, I know why. And now that I have one, I'm like, what do I do? I want to tell everybody, but I know there's only a limited availability, but it's so good. I have to tell everybody. Yeah. Like the big thing is it's just me and my assistant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like for a decade, that was plenty. (laughs) Yeah. 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 You know, like, um, and with this thing, it's really been like a matter of really refining it so that we, we even have the capacity to be able to keep up with the demand, which is amazing. Like that's a wonderful problem to have. Absolutely. Um, Does shadow and light, do I have to understand human design to do that? No, shadow and light was actually created like seven years ago. Okay. Um, And basically what shadow and light is, is it's a step-by-step of, so I think about shadow work and there's four phases, at least the way I think about it. There's the shadow illumination. And so that's where like you see the shadow. Yeah. Um, And so I provide multiple ways that you could go about doing that. And then there's the own which where you're really just like claiming it like, Oh wait, I am that I am the murderer. Right. Right. And so you're owning it. And then there's the loving, right. Where you learn how to love that part of you. Yeah. And that love transforms the energy of it and gives you the power to use it in, like I talk about in the wonderful purpose map, it's like literally the murderer and the discerner, are the same energy. Mm. It's just the way that energy is being expressed. And when you can love that part of you, when you can love that taboo part of you, it transforms your capacity to be able to use that energy for discernment. And then from there is integration. That's the fourth is integration. And I think of integration as integration is the state where it's kind of like what we were talking about before with like the screwdriver and the hammer and the drill. It's like when, when a part of you is fully integrated, first of all, you would not be embarrassed to be called that thing. You would not care if someone judged you for being that thing. But more importantly than those two things is that you know the potential of that energy and you know it's appropriate use. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I often make the joke, like, when my grandmother was alive in the nursing home, like, I didn't run through the fucking halls yelling F-bombs. Not an appropriate use of that energy right? It doesn't serve anything in that capacity, right? But on this podcast, me and you is a little fun, right? Yeah. yeah. And so that, that to me is what shadow integration work does is it gives you that, it gives you that where you know when to use your energy appropriately and shadow and light walks you through literally step-by-step. Yeah. Um, a good example of this is is projecting like I used yes. to always go for the bad boys mm. and I'm the good girl but I mm. would be with these bad guys and I did realize like came to a point where I was like they are acting out my shadow for me I get mm-hmm. to hide behind them and then they do all the scary things that mm-hmm. get things done they get things done not in a healthy way but mm. in a really exaggerated dramatic version yeah. of my shadow Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's relatable, right? 
<laughs> yeah. And that's the thing about our shadow. Like what's that Carl Jung quote? It will direct your life and you will call it fate. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Something like the, the shadow will direct your life and you will call it fate. Like the shadow is literally running our life. Oh my God. Yes. When I put that piece together with the law of attraction, that was huge too. Cause I was like, I'm creating all of this from my, yeah. sub- my subconscious and it's so mm-hmm. painful, but also I'm, I'm a person who's excited by that. I like like, Ooh, yeah. this is terrible. Let's dig into it. Yeah, exactly. That's one of the things, one of the sort of flaws that I see within sort of the law of attraction world is that I haven't really been in that world for a while, but that's why, you know, I'm really drawn to teachers who talk about how it's not just a matter of like, just think some pretty thoughts. Like, right. right. Like it's really about confronting all the places where I don't think of it as blocked energy. I don't think that calling it block is useful. I think of it as energy is not moving and all we have to do is get the energy moving and we can do a number of things to do that. But it's like, it's like showing you where that stuff is and newsflash. It's always shadow. I know. <laughs> your shadow, your shadow is going to be your best friend. You just, really. It's so true, but I want to end how I always end. I always ask the same question, which is what is one tip you have? It does not have to be the end all be all, just whatever comes to mind for creating the kick-ass life of your dreams. Mm. So it would be feel your fucking feelings. Mm. If I had to say the advice I'm giving to people over and over and over again, it's that. Our emotions have incredible wisdom and we live in a culture that is incredibly emotionally illiterate. We are raised to be emotionally codependent. We are raised to believe that emotions are a problem and all of these things has led to the society that we currently live in. And it's literally magic when we feel our feelings. And feeling your feelings is actually one of the ways to identify shadow because feeling your feelings gives you access to wisdom. For example, if you feel anger, the wisdom of anger is always about our boundaries. But, But what if you know you're supposed to set a boundary and you don't want to. Well, it's because you're a shadow. That's why. Right. So I think that feeling of the feelings is, it's literally the most important thing. Like I even have a blog post. Like if you never listen to another word I say, learn how to feel your feelings. Mm-hmm. And if anyone wants to, they can Google Christy Inge, feel your feelings And I have a step-by-step process. I have three different practices to help you learn how to feel your feelings. I'm going to link to that. I will link to that for them. Yeah. It's a really long blog post, but 
it's if you take nothing away, even if you don't go run your human design chart, like <laughs> go feel your fucking feelings. <laughs> you have to feel it to heal it. Absolutely. A thousand percent. Like you cannot heal shit if you're trying not to feel it. It just does not work that way. This was so good. Thank yeah. you so much for doing this. You're Even- so welcome. That's it, my friends. I hope you enjoyed this. Of course. I will be linking to Christy in the show notes. I will also be linking to the Shadow Love audio journey. It is 50% off all summer long when you put in the code at checkout. Groovy, all lowercase, one word. Groovy will roll 50% off the price if you want to do the Shadow Love audio journey. All of the content for Shadow Love Summer Camp is going to be free here on the podcast and in the newsletter. I just sent out last week with last week's podcast, I sent out a kind of pop culture collage link roundup thing to kick off Summer Camp. So I will link to that in the show notes as well. Stay cool, stay groovy, and until we meet again, much love to you. Peace. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.